0: You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Good morning again. Go ahead. If you want to clap for Jesus, go ahead and do that. He's absolutely deserving of our praises. So every opportunity we have to, to, to celebrate him, you know, to rejoice in his presence, please don't be shy. Don't hesitate to. Awesome. Can you please help me welcome the person sitting beside you? Just tell them, welcome to church. It's great to have them seated beside you this morning. Um, tell them they look beautiful. We need to say a lot of kind things. And just in case there's somebody here who's wondering, but that's not very true. I'm sure everybody in this room is beautiful. Amen? And everyone who's watching us online as well, just get out of, or from under your duvet. Sit up and, and, and join us. You're beautiful as well and absolutely loved by God. So... I was saying that we need to be kind to ourselves. It's so important. There's so much going on in our world. And perhaps you have come to church this morning feeling very burdened and just tired. Just tired. I mean, from... We all know the issues that are ongoing, right? Just from unrest in different parts of the world and even locally in our nation, you know, to all of this field drama aviation fuel, to go to Abidjan, I have to have, like, 120K or something ridiculous, or even a you know, there's just so much going on. Salaries are not increasing at the same measure that inflation rate is going up, you know, and someone is here and just feeling like, but God, why? What's going on? Why was I born in this generation? And I'll be honest with you to say when I watch, you know, stories of slave trade and... Um, core, you know, pungent um, racism and things like that. I'm in my heart. I'm grateful that I did not exist at those times. But I feel like somebody here is is, is sitting and feeling like, but why am I why am I in the world at such a time as this? I want you to be encouraged, and I want to remind us of the story of the children of Israel. You know, in the land of Egypt. Yes, they were slaves, and when God was going to deliver them, they were. Plagues ongoing. Um, At some point, there was darkness across the entire land of Egypt. But Scripture records that where the children of Israel were, the land of Goshen, there was light. So, regardless of the things that were going on around them, the children of Israel enjoyed light. They were preserved, and that's my prayer for you, in the name of Jesus. That as you keep your eyes, Scripture says that I lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, Maker of heaven and earth. Just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Please help me tell your neighbor that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I pray that your heart will be shielded like Goshen, that your heart will be flooded with light, regardless of the things that are going on around you, regardless of the things that are going on in our world, that you will be kept in perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we started a new teaching series for the benefit of someone who's just coming in for the first time, Uh, about three weeks ago, it's called Set Apart. That's why um, the Christian Word of the Day... And just let me quickly help someone here understand why we do the Christian Word of the Day. It's not just another activity or another thing we want to add because we don't have what to do. Absolutely not. It's because we recognize that in our generation... Excuse me. We recognize that in our generation... We've grown up with a lot of words, a lot of Christianese words. Thank you, sir. A lot of, you know, Christianese. We speak a lot of Christianese. So you hear Falabi or Temiladi get on stage or any of our pastors here, and they have, in one breath, they have used, like, several words that you are wondering, what does it mean? What does hallelujah mean? What does sanctification mean? What does revelation mean? You know, I mean, aside from the dictionary meanings of some of these words, what does it mean in in the Christian context? What's the theology behind some of these words? And so we're trying to help us all understand these words in as simple manner as possible and using examples that are easily relatable, okay? So last week, um, Tolu Onish spoke about sin, and I, I'm sure if you were in service as at that time, you probably understand um, the concept of sin better. You know, it's not, it's not just because, uh, I mean, well, yeah, primarily sin came because of disobedience, disobedience, but when you ask somebody about sin now, all they're thinking about is, I don't know, maybe sex or whatever. But beyond that, it's the sin nature, he helped us understand, you know, what the sin nature is and how it came to be. So sin is what we did today with sanctification. Um, And I encourage you, you can just think and meditate over these things, just those analogies. And you're also improving your own vocabulary of Christian words. Amen? Awesome. So, set apart. Um, Last week, well, the previous week, we spoke about soul detox, uh, the best detox, and the need to purge ourselves of certain bad habits um, that we formed over time and all. um, And, of course, purge ourselves of, of sin, Um, and just to be able to continue this lifestyle and this practice of righteousness. So last week, we were primarily focused on the how. How do we get these things done? Um, And I used an acronym. I'm hoping somebody here can remember. Can we (laughs) shout? Awesome. Thank you. So what does H stand for? Honesty. Honesty. Brutal honesty. What does the A stand for? Amputation. Yes, amputation. What are we amputating? Anything that needs to be amputated. Bad habits, exactly. People we need to unfollow, we need to block, um, habits that need to change, things we need to severe or cut off from our lives. Okay, what's the next A? Accountability. accountability. Yes, thank you very much. Finding. Yes, Tomin Singh. Yes, accountability. So, what's the first G? Guard rails, mounting your guard rails. Scripture says that guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Next G, God consciousness. God consciousness. Fantastic. A, audits. And then the last H, help others. Ah, oh, you guys are brilliant students. Put your hands together for yourselves. Go ahead. Fantastic. I guess that's the power of acronyms, keeping stuff very simple and easily. So let me confess, today we have like five that we need to do, but I will will not succeed in finding acronym for it. So we will learn it. Amen? Okay, so flowing from last week, yeah, and recognizing ways to protect um, and preserve this lifestyle, this gift of righteousness that we've received, yeah, um, today we're speaking about something very sensitive, But very important as we continue this conversation on being set apart um, and emerging in our walk and our lifestyle of righteousness so that um, we are useful to God, useful to one another, and we are advancing kingdom agenda. It's called the tolerance trap. The tolerance trap. Why do we need to talk about it? So there's a contemporary doctrine of tolerance that actively promotes an evil agenda. And seeks to diminish God's agenda. And I'm sure every person in this room is familiar with it. And the people watching online as well. The doctrine of tolerance preached by popular culture seeks to lure us as believers into compromising situations where boundary lines become blurry. Um, I remember it was two exchange gatherings ago. That's two Sundays back at the evening service, someone asked a question, but you could very clearly see it resonated with everybody in the room, because it's stuff we've all been meditating on at different points in times in our lives. And he said, look, everything is so gray right now. You read the word, and it's supposed to be black and white, but you see the practice and the living of it, and it looks so gray. Even within the Christian community, There are so many gray areas. that It doesn't make sense anymore. It's really confusing. There's a particular stand here. And in the West, there's another stand on the same matter. So how do we know which is it? How do we know what we're supposed to do? I mean, you can understand if unbelievers are taking a certain position. They're not saved. We, We can understand that. But when the people of your own faith that should know better are also of the same position then the lines become blurry. And so this morning, by the help of the Holy Spirit, my work here is very simple, to just lay a foundation on how we process tolerance issues. Before you know it, um, one of the things that typically jump out at us when we talk about tolerance in the Christian circle is we are cautioned not to judge. And we reference the scripture of Jesus Christ in Matthew 7-1, do not judge. And they're like, you try to call out iniquity, Okay, let me use a simple word, calling out sin for what it is, is sin as judging. And people are very quick to bring out the script. So how do we create a balance? And I imagine that a couple of us in the room and online have these questions. How do I know where to draw the lines? How do I know what, where I've fallen into this tolerance trap? I've become so liberal that it looks like it doesn't make sense anymore. Things are all mixed up. That is what my work is this morning, by God's grace. So some of the questions that, you know, we're dealing with in our own age. And I'll just mention that it's actually not new. This conversation is not new. It's it's decades old. You know, in different generations, there have been conversations around tolerance. What is permissible within the Christian faith or in life in general? How accepting of certain behaviors are we supposed to be as Christians, as God's children, as followers of Jesus So you have things like gender norms, you know, what men can do, what women can do, what is expected of each gender. You have feminism. um, You have, and and these things I'm reading out there, they're not necessarily all evil or bad. So don't get me wrong and say, I went to one church today where the pastor said feminism is of the devil. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm just talking about conversations that we've been having over time and people have gotten confused you know what is the role of a woman? What is the role of a man? Um, you know, and all of the conversations we have under the feminists or feminism umbrella, um, civic protests. You know, superstar pastors that come from. <laughs> Sorry, the person that wrote this thing said <laughs> that wrote this thing for me said, and all that comes from that: private jets, sexual misconduct, financial impropriety. You know, age-old issues like abortion, same-sex marriages. Um, accountability issues you know no one can tell me how to run my life church suffering, and then godlessness generally just godlessness in all its varied forms as god's children how are we supposed to position that is what we're getting at today i'm going to use two examples very quickly first is solomon king solomon we're all familiar with him if solomon had to rewrite his cv yeah because we see his story, you know, all through in, the, in, in First Kings there and all. In chapter 11 in particular is where he starts to sort of miss it. But I attempted to craft a CV for Solomon, and here's what it sounds like. Born to a man after God's heart, knew God for himself, built God's temple, witnessed the glory covering the temple, had a heart for God's people, understood the worship of God that brings a visitation, Wisest man ever liveth. Important dignitaries came from far and wide to listen to the depths of his wisdom. He was super wealthy. He was God's poster child for abundance and prosperity. He married foreign women, precisely 700 wives and how many concubines? 300 concubines from nations that God had warned the Israelites not to marry from. He traded the worship of God for the worship of idols He built temples for his wife's foreign gods. And in summary, we'll say he's the real definition of backsliding because Solomon went like this and then, you know. How did that happen to someone of Solomon's stature? Something important that I also didn't include in his CV here was he wrote the wisest books, as it were. These books that are filled with a lot of wisdom in the Bible. So how did he go from being that one man who, you know, worshipped God so much that God had to physically, sh- as in God showed up and asked him, what do you want? He understood worship. He touched somewhere in God's heart. So not only was his lineage, you know, from Abraham and then the relationship his father had with God, but he by himself also had something with God. He understood something. So Solomon typifies your Christian in our day and age, you and I, who know God, who have an understanding of who God is, walk with God, you know, and somewhere along the line, we become accepting of certain things, and slowly but surely, we start to miss God. We start to live the very lives that, uh, the very life that we, he has called us not to. The second person is Lot and his daughters, I'm putting them together in one category, So, Lot was Abraham's brother. So, let's even say, um, by association, Lot knew God. Amen? Lot knew God. He knew of God. He saw God at work in in his brother or his uncle's life. Lot followed Abraham. There was something about Lot. I know we very easily remember how he chose the choicest parts of the land. But let's also remember that when God called Abraham, God did not call Lot. Lot. But Lot arose and went with his uncle to a foreign land, to a place where There was no, I mean, we speak in our generation, we speak about the fear of uncertainty. But he stood up and went along. He wasn't the one who got the call. So, I mean, he did, there was something about him. But by the time he separated from his brother and he began to live with men, where there was a lot of wickedness and iniquity, where clearly God's presence wasn't, it began to influence his choices. Remember when the angels, sorry, the, yeah, the angels came to visit him. And the men of Sodom, scripture says, young and old, came knocking on the door, wanting them to bring out the angels so that they can sleep with them. Men. Lot's response was to tell them to chill. I, I have daughters, they are virgins. They are very all right, clean. No man has touched them, I'll bring them out for you. Is that not the sign of depravity? When you think that the only solution possible in that type of situation was to put out your daughters. There was already something going wrong with Lot as he dwelt and in, you know, he indwelt and was surrounded by iniquity and unrighteousness. And then we see how it translates to his daughters because by the time God was going to save them and took them out of that land and, you know, set that the angels put them on a mountain that was far away from Sodom and Gomorrah so that those other two cities could be destroyed. What does the scripture say about his daughters? They looked and said, we will die as virgins. We will not, our father's lineage will end. We won't have any man to, you know, um, produce children with, and so they would, what they do? They, drunk, um, they got their father drunk, one child slept with him this night, the second one did that the next night. That was, that shows you the state of their heart. How did they get there is the question. Let's not talk about Mrs. Lott and how she was, I, I mean she looked back, whether out of curiosity or the fact that she was going to miss where she's coming from, she looked back and turned into salt. Pillar of salt, but there are little things that are currently happening in our world today. It's little vibes, little vices, you know, little things that we're being sold. Little arguments, little that we are becoming accepting of. You and I, we need to check ourselves. You might feel like, Ah, God forbid, that's not me. Uh-uh. I'm a man of one wife, or I'm going to be a man of one wife. I can never be that man that will marry. Seven? How I won't even think about two. I don't even know how to date, date two women at the same time. So that cannot be me. That might not be you. But are there other little things that you are becoming permitting of that you're accepting into your heart? And I believe that as I continue to speak, the Holy Spirit will start to show us these things in a whole lot more detail. So God frowns at tolerance for ungodliness. Scripture says in Galatians four five nine, the Amplified Translation: A little leaven a slight inclination to error or a few false teachers leavens the whole batch. It perverts the concept of faith and misleads the church. Perverts, perversion is the work of the devil. That's what he wants. He wants to take the truth and twist it. And there is a lot of twisting that is ongoing in our world that has left us confused and we are beginning to see grace. Things are no longer as clear anymore. Psalm 45, verses 6 to 7. Again, the Amplified Translation says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Can we have the scriptures up, please? Psalm 45, verses 6 to 7. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness, virtue, morality, justice, and hated wickedness. Therefore God your God has anointed you above your companions with the oil of jubilation. The psalmist here was speaking about Jesus. Speaking to us about Jesus. That look this is, this is who he embodied. Now we call ourselves Christians. And we are expected to be Christ like or Christ followers. But in our generation we only follow Christ to the level where we do not offend others. We follow Christ to the level where we still remain woke, relevant. We don't want to start to enter those funny dimensions and begin to be perceived a certain way. And I know that there are a lot of controversial things. In their, someone in their mind is already thinking, well, so where's, the, where's alcohol in all of this? You know, where, where, where is weed in all of this? Where, where are drugs in all of this? You know, what, what is permissible? What, because the scripture doesn't very clearly tell us not to. Scripture doesn't say that we shouldn't, that we can't touch ourselves. You know, he says, yes, don't fornicate. But, I mean, are, we have gotten to the point where some genuinely out of curiosity have these questions. But quite a number of us, it is that we are trying to defend a position we have taken. A lie we have been sold. An argument that has flipped our minds and gotten us really confused. That's the position where we are. But we trust God. Scripture speaks about, one of the scriptures we read, um, I think it was two weeks ago, speaks about casting down imaginations. You know, pulling down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of our God. Bringing, holding every thought captive. Subjecting it to the obedience of Christ. Until we get to that place where we are subjecting every thought, every argument, and checking it with, you know, Jesus, what is your position on this? How have you shown us this lifestyle to live? What is the word of God, which if you were around for Bible study in the morning, Pastor Ayo did mention that it's like receiving alerts. Um, but a lot of us, we receive these alerts, we don't even check. In fact, some of us receive text messages of promos and freebies, you know, from DSTV and different places that we don't check. And so we miss out on those opportunities, you know. It's kind of like that. But we've been given the word, the sure word. We've been given God's word here. We've been given, you know, the types and the shadows, people who have gone ahead of us and lived this life. We have the example of Jesus who lived on earth here. Scripture says that he knew no sin. He was made sin for you and I, yet he knew no sin. And it wasn't because he was just floating and levitating on earth. He was human in every sense of the word. He was tested, yet he didn't sin. He was tempted, yet he did not sin. So how did he do it? How did he do it? Before we go into how Jesus did it, because I don't see any best example to use for us to be able to fix this whole tolerance conversation than the example of Jesus Christ. Well, before we go into that, let's even attempt to define what tolerance is. And I know we're all like super smart individuals here. You all went to the best schools in the world. So you don't need a dictionary definition, but just indulge me. It says sympathy or indulgence for beliefs or practices differing from or conflicting with one's, with one's own. The act of allowing something, capacity to endure pain or hardship. I found some other interesting ones here. It says um, the ability or willingness to tolerate the existence of opinions or behavior that one dislikes or disagrees with. Now, the word tolerance in itself is a good word. It's not that the word is a bad word or is a, is a negative word, okay? It's just the application of it in our day and our age. Now, it means to be liberal, broad-minded, willing to put up with beliefs opposed to your conviction and the allowance of something not completely approved. So many Christians test the boundaries of God's instructions in the name of tolerance or not isolating ourselves from the world. There is a difference between not sinning and promoting righteousness. Because I believe very strongly that a lot of us are on that sideline of, or on the side of the fence where it is that, well, I'm not sinning. I have embraced this lifestyle of righteousness fully, which is great. But it is personal to me. You know how we say it? Your salvation is personal? And it's true. It is personal to me. So it, does, it means that whatever I see, B or do. I really don't, because I don't want to judge them. I don't want to be seen as judging or condemning them. And so we don't promote righteousness. That's part of what we're addressing this morning. And again, like I said, it's a very sensitive conversation to have. But I trust that the Holy Spirit would expound it in our hearts and help us to see the heart cry of the Father this morning. Let me read a story to you guys in the scriptures. It's in Revelations chapter 2, verses 18. I had referenced one of the such letters, I think it was two weeks ago as well. But Jesus would write letters to the churches, or to the, yeah, to the churches, you know, through their leads. So you would see something like, to the angel of the church at Ephesus, and things like that. But this one from verse 18 is the message to the church in Thyatira. Thyatira, Revelations 2, 18, it says, And to the angel, I'm reading the Amplified Version, divine messenger of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God. Here's how we know it was Jesus writing to the church. These are the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your last deeds are more numerous and greater than the first. But I have this charge against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, claiming to be inspired, And she teaches and misleads my bond servants so that they commit acts of sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, to change her inner self and her sinful way of thinking, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality and refuses to do so. So, this church, 100% in everything except this one thing, and I mean... It's the dream of any church pastor. You have people that are faithful in works, people who are diligent in love, in service. It means that they value and they honor the things of God. They're excited about the things. And you see, the thing about this particular church is, it says to them that the one you were doing self, let me read it. um, uh, It says, your last deeds are more numerous and greater than the first. The natural pattern is that you will be encouraging and be charging up the church so that people can stay committed. The workforce and the leaders understand what we're talking about here. So that your volunteers can continue to serve God faithfully and actively. But this particular church, he says where they started from, they are at like 200% of, the, of what they were they started from. So they were excellent in works. They were excellent in love. There was love thriving amongst them. They were excellent in service. They were even excellent in their faith. But they have tolerated iniquity to continue to thrive. And that was what Jesus held against them. You can read that scripture further. But I wanted to point that within the church this is rife, this is, it's a whole lot, there's a whole lot of this ongoing. In the name of we do not want to judge, we do not want to condemn. So we use Matthew 7:1, judge not lest you be judged. Sorry, let me read another translation, do not, judge so you, uh, or do not judge so that you are not judged. We promote a tolerance culture that often encourages the acceptance of behaviors, that the Bible very clearly stands against. We know that that wasn't Jesus' intention with that scripture, to find faults versus seeking fruit. If you go and read that Matthew 7, the entire um, verses in there, you would understand this better. Yes, Jesus was saying, don't look, there's stuff you have that you need to deal with. Don't be about um, trying to fix your brother's issues. When you have not dealt with your own issues. He was speaking to fault finding. He was speaking to, you know, this hypocritical behavior where you speak and you condemn what it is that you are dealing with that nobody knows. That was what Jesus was focused on. And he instead encouraged us to find and seek fruit. He says by, your, by their fruits, you would know them. To be discerning of certain behaviors. Essentially to look at what is the code of conduct for, you know, kingdom living. And put my life and the people around me, put it by that measure, that standard, and let's see how we're all faring. One of the things we said last week was to help others grow. And it's so important that this is speaking to it. You see, because when you turn a blind eye, you are also enabling that lifestyle of unrighteousness. Just in case you don't know. So, you are the one that will drop off your roommate at her boyfriend's house to spend the weekend and you very clearly know that she's sleeping with him and you have never said anything about it. Why? Well, because it's what gets done in this day and age, you know. I'm praying for her. I'm praying that God would touch her, that she will find Jesus because I don't want to be seen a certain way. I don't want to come across as, you know, being too spiritual. I don't want to come across as being too judgmental. And so we stay mute. And there's so many things that you and I have kept quiet over. You know, I'm not talking about. And again, I know for this generation, we sort of have moved to the extreme of this matter. When our parents, in our parents' generation, they would call it out as it is. That skirt you are wearing, auntie, is too short. You don't know you are going to be somebody's wife. They will say it, and I mean, some of us have been hurt. <laughs> Like significantly hurt by the church on just how they have handled these types of issues. I I went, I had to be somewhere yesterday, and you know my hair is colored, and it was a look a traditional redeemed church. I had to find scarf. I had to find a scarf and just respect myself. I'm like for, I said if the way you just showed up, is your dada looking hair. They dare not even say uh, pastors in the house. Please come forward and let's pray over this. Ah, I will not even go. Because, you know, it's true. And that's not to say that, you know, um, there's a problem with it. But it's, 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 it's how they've grown. It's how they're nurtured. It's okay. But because you and I don't want to be judged, we're very quiet on so many issues. We don't want, sorry, we don't want to be seen as judging. We are quiet. You know, there, there, there are things that very clearly have come into your hands. And I'll, and I'll be real with you guys. There are situations that I have clearly seen visions about or I've had dreams about. Or I've had very clear instructions as to what to do. That doesn't have to do with me. It has to do with someone. It's like, in fact, it's as, as though God would just open somebody's secrets to you. I remember one that hits very close, to, you know, very close to home. Um, several years back, um, people called me. It's a couple I know, but I didn't even know there was anything going on in the marriage. Like, there were issues. Uh, I'd received a call from someone who said, is anything going on? Why do? Oh, the husband called me, and you, this is an ex, by the way, that I happened to have worked with several years back. He called me, and he, you know, he's asking us to meet up and stuff. The ex wasn't married, by the way. So when I heard that, like, Okay, And then a few days after, I start to have a conversation just randomly, not about the marriage with the wife. She's bursting into tears and she starts to talk about stuff going on in the home. Both husband and wife are very close to me. And they're, I mean, in this, we call them spiritual juggernauts. So I was gripped with fear. And I went to God. What am I supposed to do with all of this information that I have? And he said, I didn't send you to speak to them. I have made it known so you can pray for them, pray for their home. Till today, I never had that conversation with the couple. And they are very happily married. So I know that though there will be instances like that. But what about the one that lives in your house? What about the one that you very clearly know? This is not righteous living. This doesn't work. This cohabiting doesn't work. Some of us, we say we are social drinkers, you know. And again, I know I'm treading on very interesting grounds here because somebody in their mind is about to ask me, show me in the Bible where it is that it says we should not drink alcohol. But you have called yourself social drinker. You only drink, and see, guys, we're being real here. I know a lot of people that drink, you know. But I drink, I drink decently. I drink. I don't get drunk. The only thing I'm going to say to you is this, and the same goes for the person who's, um, what's the word now? Doing drugs to, st- to get inspired and things like that. Last week we spoke about the boundaries of grace. Something where the father would ask, what is the rule over his life? What is to be the rule over his life? What is supposed to be his work? What, essentially asking God, what have you proposed to do with my son? What do you want to do with him and how should his life be guided your life is very different from my life. There are certain things that God would, you know, you will enjoy mercy. There are certain things that I would do that I would get a weeping. What is to be the rule over your life? Scripture says some things are permissible. Now, all things are permissible, but some things, you know, but not all are expedient. That is, you can do it. It won't, it won't hurt anybody but you. Is it necessary? Paul will say, if meat will cost my brother to sin. Not because meat is wrong, but I will do away with meat. Why? Because I do not want... Some of us here, you've been born again for so long, and you don't know that there's somebody hanging around you that is waiting for you to just drop that thing so that they can be free in their minds to also express themselves and take on this journey with you. But the fact that you roll with them, well, we're only social drinkers, we just hang out in club with the boys, you listen to the same kind of music, you dance, you... you there's no difference. And again, somebody is wondering, so does that mean we should not go clubbing anymore? Does that mean we should not dance to Boy and a whole host of others? That's what somebody is asking. And my response to you is this. If you are serious about this lifestyle of righteousness, you cannot continue to use the same strategy you have been using over time and expect to see a different result in your life. You cannot expect that God, who you are that vessel that is set apart. Help me, or um, I was going to say help me ask them, but we're asking ourselves. Who will God go for? The one that is diligent and faithful or the one that keeps going, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. I'm sorry. Father, forgive me, I have sinned. I'm sorry. Just keeps going round and round in circles. Who do you think God would be happy to entrust stuff into because it's a function of trust. It's a function of trust. And this is how we need to understand how, I mean, we see it in the scriptures. There are certain people that God would use and we will see that he has entrusted stuff to he has entrusted nations. So, I mean, look at it, Nehemiah. Look at it, Daniel. See, Daniel, that guy gets me every time. He's one of people that when I get to heaven, I have to have it. It's just that the conversation will not be useful anymore because I should have had it here on earth so I can reset my, my head. But he's just one of those people you should sit and have a conversation with. How did you serve under three Babylonian governments? Babylon. I mean, Babylon in, the, in, in Scripture is a, is a type of... Uh, a, 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 oh yeah, Demilani, give me the word. <laughs> Babylon is, is it's not just a nation. Eh? There are places that we, we, look, we re- reference Babylon in Scripture. It shows the depravity of the, of, of the earth. It's like a principality. Babylon, this guy served there under three kings, three administrations. And the testimony was put on every time. You and I. It's just this small one that they have given us, local governments, that we are just there. And all the, how much is the local government? is already choking. When you now get to, you say, God, use me. Take me to corridors of power. Send me to the president. Send me to Asorok. I will not disappoint you. How? It's in the little things. The little things. How are we honoring God in the little things? How are we calling out sin for what it is? And this is not calling out to criticize or to condemn. I need to make this very clear. You know why? Because Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 14, let's read it together. It was a scripture I also read like two or so weeks back. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Jesus was all parts grace, all parts truth. So it means the same way he would extend grace to the sinner is the same way he will not hesitate to tell you the truth about your matter. And he's the one we are to model. He's the one we are to believe like. So, how can we avoid this tolerance trap? It's the Jesus model, very simply. The Jesus model. And you and I need to get to that place where we sit, where the world is going. We've been talking about this gross darkness matter for a while. It's getting darker and darker, and light needs to shine. Until you and I are ready to shine our light, God is looking for people that will stand and call out on righteousness for what it is. See, scripture says, righteousness exalts a nation. It is not the nation that becomes righteous, it is the people. That embrace the lifestyle of righteousness that causes, you know, that nation to be transformed. We are very we are a praying nation, and because of that, God has been really merciful to us. There's so many things that are going on in the world that Nigeria will not survive if it ever happens. But see, Ebola came, COVID came. We are still standing. It's God's mercy. The first thing, Jesus loved everyone without exception. And I'm going to run this through this very quickly. He never hated anyone. I know someone here just immediately, the thoughts around the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law has flashed through your mind, but let me help you. You have already thought, ah, Jesus always condemns them. Go and read Matthew 27. You see how we just finished the brood of vipers. Woe to you. He would just insult them anyhow. Those ones are expected to know better. The teachers of the law is what it is. They are teachers. They are expected to know better. But they were very fixated in just their myopic mind. Not recognizing Jesus who was grace and truth. Not recognizing the work of salvation, the gift of salvation that he had brought. They were very quick. They were the same guys who, you know, they want, to, they want to enforce the law. They, want to enforce, they wanted to enforce righteous living by works and not by faith. So, number two, Jesus forgave sinners, but he condemned sin. Jesus forgave sinners, but he condemned the sin. He would say to them, you have been made whole. Your faith has made you whole, but go and sin no more. And we see that in uh, John 5, 14. It says, "Afterward, Jesus found him, that's the guy who had been lame for 38 years, that he healed. He said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. He didn't hide him. He didn't shield him from the truth. He didn't pretend to him to say, Oh, you know what? I just love you so much. You know, my heart just really goes out to you right now. Is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, you are just so precious to me. He was all that, yes. But he gave it to him, oh her. You have been made whole, you have been healed, but don't sin anymore. Don't continue in this pattern. Don't continue in this lifestyle. Otherwise, something worse will happen to you. He clearly condemned sin while he also presented the solution to it. We are called the light of the world. Light exposes and does not harbor hidden works of darkness. It also points people in the right direction. Don't be woke to the world and yet asleep in Christ. We need to be a generation where we are cool and all that, we are woke and all that, boys, we are woke to the right things, we are woke to the things of God, we need to be a generation that is on fire, we need to be an army that God is excited about, and not because, you know, we're just, um, we're just trying to, what's the word now, we're just trying to, we're trying to fit in, no, His excitement doesn't come from us fitting in. His excitement comes from us standing out and shining our light. His excitement over us. You know how scripture will say God God would rejoice over you. That He is rejoicing over us. Not because we are perfect. Not because we don't make mistakes. Not because we don't miss it from time to time. But we love him with all of our heart. And we are unashamed to represent him in every way. Someone needs to have conversation with the person they are in a relationship with. The way you probably now, there are some children in the room here, so let me not be too granular. But some things need to change in your relationship. In fact, a lot of things need to change. In fact, maybe you need to exit the relationship for now. If you really believe that you are serious about this journey, because it's not going to help you, and you know what I'm talking about. Jesus was not afraid to be hated. Okay, so the third point is this. He openly rebuked hypocrites and unrepentant people whose sinful ways were cloaked with religion. He said to them, woe to you Pharisees, Sadducees, lawyers, inhabitants of different cities. He disassociated from people who knew the truth but refused to accept it. Some of us have gone into relationships. I don't know why it's only relationship examples that are coming. But some of us have gone into relationships with the mindset that we will change the person. I will change him. I will change her. Who lay work? Except God has given you a mandate, like who's here. Where's the go to marry a prostitute? Because there's something I want to b- bring out of there. But if that is not the mandate you have, flee. Just run. As not even be don't be proud. Exit. Amputate sharply. Otherwise, this journey of righteousness, you are going to be in trouble. And someone else needs to find an accountability partner because you are even in a godly relationship. But you guys have been dating for so long. And you are in that place where you are beginning to struggle with emotions and chemistry and all that. Find someone to talk to. You are not alone. But be accountable. See, sin thrives in secrecy. Very important. Sin thrives in secrecy. So the third point I've read um, or I've mentioned, the fourth point is this. Jesus drew very clear boundaries around what is acceptable to God and what isn't. And the scripture for this where we find a lot of his examples as to what is acceptable to God and what is not is in Matthew 5:21 to 48, but I won't read it. So go and read it at home. That's that's our take home assignment for today. He says you cannot draw moral boundaries if you are ignorant about the kingdom's code of conduct. That's why we need to check it out. What does Jesus say? Again, remember, he's a model on this matter. What does he say about certain lifestyle behavior? He said, Jesus, one of the things he, was, he references there is the fact that, look, the old law says if you sleep with a woman, you have sinned, or you sleep with anyone, you're coming fornication. I'm saying to you, if you look at her lustfully, you have sinned. If you look at her lustfully, that is you consume it lost in your heart. You don't have to do And there's so many things that we do in, this, in our world today where we have mentally, we've stripped the person, we have slept with the person, we have you know, just different things. And there's some that we have even, you know, harbored certain types of thoughts. But and the question someone is asking here, which I can sense, is So how do I prevent my, my heart from, or my mind from thinking these thoughts? What happens when the thought flirts through my mind? I'm visual. I see something. I see a really beautiful woman pass. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to close my eyes walking the streets of Lagos? That's impractical. And yes, sometimes these thoughts will flit through our minds. But you need to shut it down. You have to have an antidote. Whether it's a word, a scripture, a declaration, whether it is a song, but there's got to be something that you're saying. You speak it out loudly that your, your, your mind hears it. You speak it out very clearly. I am filled with the content of God. We can't be, we, we can't be liberal about sin. That's the truth. If we're being serious, we cannot continue to be liberal about sin. Some of us, we need to say, people, you are soliloquizing. It's okay. You know what, Until you get to that place where you are strong enough and certain things don't even move you anymore. Number five, he raised more people like himself to destroy the works of darkness and this is also very important it ties into our last point from last week, which is to help others we need to build a community see why i find that some of us struggle so intensely is because we are in the wrong communities or we don't even have a community of believers that we're supporting ourselves with and just in case somebody here is already thinking but the person that i'm sleeping with is even a christian we come to church together i sit in row three i sit in row five and it's true it's okay but can I encourage you to please have these conversations. They are hard, difficult conversations that we need to have in this season. Some of us, the kind of songs we listen to, the kind of suggestive, in fact, some of us, our social media pages, it's there's just a lot. People can't really place you one of the advantages we've had in LifePoint so far is that the lights are out. So when people come, they can worship God by themselves. And they, cannot, they, they, they don't feel under pressure to, be, you know, to, be, to feel like they're being judged. Someone saw you at the club, plus you that went clubbing, plus the bartender, plus the girl you dance You three of you are in church. So if you see them, you, to lift up holy hands, you, you feel really awkward. Because you know what went down last night? But don't worry, the lights are out. Lift up your holy hands. God loves you. The fact that you, you did what you did last night, he knows what you did last night, but he still loves you. Absolutely. And that's why I'm not even kidding. He loves you. You see, because if it was by your walks, we are none, none of us is worthy to stand. But he already made provision for you and I. But the question to you is this. In 2022, are you going to do something about this lifestyle are you going to call out on righteousness for what it is again not condemning we're not con- it's not it's not that we are condemning the individual we are condemning actions we are condemning lifestyles we are condemning habits we are condemning choices we are condemning appetites not the individual please it's very important And I know someone is asking can you separate the individual from the actual yes because the individual is not their weakness it's not their challenge is not the sin they have a sin nature but that does not make them the devil that needs to be punished so it's very important Jesus was all grace and all truth he loves and he still loves we are expected to love but it doesn't mean that if I see bad behavior, I'm expected to be quiet or rub you on the head or pat you at the back and say, don't worry, eh? Bele, you will be all right. No, I should tell you this is wrong. This isn't helping you, but I, should, I correct you in love. If you vex, that's not on me, it's, it's you. But it doesn't mean that I won't tell you what it is. And I will pray for you. And that's what we're saying in this last scripture. We need to pray for one another. It is so important. And we need to build active communities of strength, circles of strength. Let us pray. The question to ask yourself today, as we wrap up, is what have you been tolerating that you need to address? Some of us need to have these difficult conversations today, this week. For someone here, I sense that it's your job. You have to do things at work that leave you conflicted. It's like you're in the financial services space. It leaves you conflicted. It's either you are in a financial services industry or you have a responsibility or a role in financials that whether it's accounting or, you know, or finance or something like that. But it leaves you conflicted. You feel really dirty by the time you're done. There are conversations to be had. And if this would be of encouragement to you, let me share my story very quickly. I had uh, several years ago, I worked in, in, in an organization where I had these challenges for a, a couple years. And I mean, I was growing, I was doing well, I was recognized. I was getting coded checks. They're checks that they issue. It's not, it's not, it's not the organization's check, but it's coded. It only goes to a certain type of people in the organization. But I was always very conflicted in my heart because I knew just, this wasn't it. Until the day one day, I summoned courage. And I remember my chief risk officer called me and said, we need to do this for the GMD, yada yada. Yeah. And I looked him in the eye, I said, I'm not doing. That day, I thought I was going to lose my job. But he was quiet. I'm, like, I'm not doing this anymore. Where the boldness and courage came from, I have no idea. But I was done. And I knew this just wasn't me. I knew that I was enjoying a lot of mercy and grace. Every time I go to God, I'm like, God, you know, this is my bosses that are making me do this thing. But I had to speak up. And I said I wasn't doing it. And I got to that point where I was like, I really don't care. If you guys want to fire me, go ahead and fire me. But I, again, I knew that my sufficiency was not from them. I knew that my life's to some totality. And that's for some of us here today. We believe our lives are our jobs. And so we do everything to ensure we don't lose it, including sleeping with bosses. Let's pray. Would you just commit yourself to God and say, Father, the areas that I need to address in my life personally, the things that I need to call out, the things that I need to speak to, would you open my eyes to see Holy Spirit? Would someone go ahead and pray for the spirit of boldness and courage today to take this righteous stand would you ask for grace? God, I don't want to be that person who keeps going and coming, going and coming. I'm very clearly displeasing you. Because this love relationship, and again, let me help somebody understand it. Your wife, your spouse or your husband. Imagine that you go and, you go and sleep with someone outside. And she finds out or he finds out. And then you come and say, baby, I'm sorry. I will never do it again. And then you go again and you go. I mean, they are human. There's only, their tolerance levels are only a certain way. Definitely, God isn't like that. But my point is, if this love relationship matters to you and I, then we will prioritize it. God, open my eyes to see the areas I'm hurting you without even knowing. For some of us, it's unintentional. What are the things that I've become accepting of, that I have become accepting of? Some of us have become accepting of, of, of crime. Some of us have become accepting of, well, you know, and I can't, I mean, with same-sex marriages, abortion, pro-choice. And we're like, well, yeah, and I know there's a lot of complexity in there. So Some people tell you, but health issues, people have a right to make a choice and things like, what does the word say? What does the word say? We have to make our decisions based on the word of God, based on the words of Jesus. How will he handle it? If you were in our shoes, I remember growing up as a Christian and our mantra was, what will Jesus do? What? WWJD. And it sort of helped us quite a bit just as young, you know, children trying to, to know God. So pray for the strength to take this bold stand, to take this courageous stand. Father, help me. That needs to be someone's heart cry. Help me to have these difficult conversations. Holy Spirit, grant me the strength that I need. To reposition appropriately and to realign in the name of Jesus. And I pray for anyone here who has already fallen into any trap. I declare over you in the name of Jesus that you would escape as a bird. In the name of Jesus, you will be set free and loose completely from every trap of unrighteousness. Every mental stronghold every assenting voice that you have submitted to because when we make decisions we are submitting we are either submitting to God or we are submitting to the standards of the world we are always in a place where we need to make choices and God is indeed merciful and kind but his word and his position is very clear choose ye this day choose so what are we choosing? Father we thank you Holy Spirit we ask for your help we know it's really tough to live in this world at this time but it's not impossible it's tough to live as Christians as Christ followers not just people who have the name not just people who are labeled but people who genuinely love you and embrace your will and your way so Lord we agree together as a family that you will fill us with your spirit afresh Let our hearts burn for the things that you prioritize. Keep us in that place where we are constantly hungry for you. Where we thirst after your presence. We prayed this morning for the grace to sit with the word. And we are also praying again. Help us to sit with this code of conduct. To understand it. Like Jeremiah, help us eat your word. In the name of Jesus. Strengthen our minds strengthen our hearts. Let our decisions be influenced by your spirit and not social media influencers, not the the, the schemes and the wiles of the enemy, not the standards of the world. You and you alone we submit to. In all of our entirety and totally, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. And I want to give somebody an opportunity here today. If you don't know Jesus, that's the first step. That's the first step. It's not enough to Go and read the word. You need to know Him. You need to have a relationship with Him. You need to understand who He is. But first you need to submit to Him. So if that is you this morning, may I ask that you raise your hand. And that ushers will put a card in your hand. And the reason why we're asking you to do this, not because you cannot silently say this prayer, but because we want to be able to support you. Again, I spoke about circles of strength. It is important that we find um, opportunities to connect with other believers so we can grow in our journey with God it's lonely to be a Christian out there and all you're surrounded with are people that you're you're trying not to be like so if that is you I want to pray with you go ahead and say this prayer after me there Jesus thank you for dying for me father I accept your gift of salvation I ask that you forgive me and I receive your forgiveness and your mercy I submit my heart to you Jesus and I ask that you take over Holy Spirit come and fill my life make me whole make me new transform me from inside out in Jesus name amen amen father we thank you for those who have made this prayer for that person who didn't raise their hand please before you go see me but Lord, we thank you. We give you all praise. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you will continue to preserve these ones in your love and your grace. Would abound to them in great measures. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Go ahead and put your hands together and celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Um, just before the person taking an announcement comes up, I just want to remind you, I spoke about being in the community. And, you know, finding, being very deliberate about circles of strength to belong to. And I think it's important that I give practical ways you can do this. One of the ways you can do this is by joining a service unit in church, serving in church. Another way you can do this is by joining a small group. And it's a small group season. Uh, It's important that you plug in. Um, If you are yet to be assigned to any club, so we're splitting or divvying up the church into four clubs. If you're yet to be assigned to any club, um, before you go, don't be in a hurry. Just go to the info point desk. The small groups team are behind, and they will sort you out. They will assign you to a club. They will connect you with others, you know, and you can begin to do life with people. Find someone in church that you can talk to. Talk to me. Talk to any of our pastors. We have a counseling uh, team as well that you can reach um, either in church here, and if you're watching online, you can send us an email to reach out out. LifePointNG, reach out at LifePointNG.org. We would love to talk to you. We would love to pray with you. We have a very active prayer community as well, you know, and they will be happy to spend time in prayer with you and just interceding for you as well. So don't do life alone, okay? Um, let's call out on righteousness for what it is so that righteousness can indeed exalt our nation. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifepointNG.